This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Well, you had to have a podcast today, especially if you're a Ranger fan. What a deal for the blue shirts as they land Vladimir Tarasenko. There was so much conversation. Will they get Patrick Kane? Will they be in for Timo Meyer? But this one actually makes the most sense for a, a bunch of reasons. And the biggest reason is St. Louis was able to take 50% of his salary. So you slide him in cap-wise. You leave a little bit of space if you want to make another deal before March 3rd. And you really didn't have to give up a lot. So let's break it down what the Rangers gave up for Tarasenko and also for Mikola, who also needs to be talked about here because I think that's a nice depth of defenseman pickup for the Rangers. All right, so you give up Sammy Blay. Uh, Sammy Blay is a, is a good player, a good role player, a good fourth-line player, but the Rangers have plenty of those types of guys. And and I know uh, Gerard Gallant's a big fan of him. He's a big hitter. He doesn't score. All right, the Rangers are not giving up anything that's going to really affect them in real time, giving up Sammy Blay. And we wish him the best of luck in St. Louis. Um, he goes back to his old stomping grounds, and I think he'll be fine there. It just it was never really a fit between the injuries and he was in and out of the lineup. I give him credit for going down the Hartford, scored four goals in five games there uh, in that conditioning stint, But uh, so you give up that. Um, Hunter Skinner is a good young defenseman, uh, but the Rangers have a lot of good young defensemen, so he's kind of landlocked here with the Rangers moving forward. So you can afford to give that up. And the picks, conditional uh, first round pick and the reason it's conditional it'll be the worst of the picks the rangers have uh the rangers have dallas's first round pick dallas is a very good team the rangers hope to be a very good team so either of these picks should be rangers hope somewhere in the high 20s anyway so that is a certain give up and then a conditional fourth round pick as well so rangers are a win now team so you don't really worry about the pick so they didn't really give up a lot and didn't overly affect their future you bring in Tarasenko. Now, since the shoulder injury, he hasn't been as dynamic a scorer, but seven times he has scored 30 goals. He is going to fit right in with Panarin and Zabanajad on that top line. Now you can move BC to that second line or maybe even the third line if they decide to bump up the kid line to two, and it just rounds out their roster. And it still leaves a little room if they want to make another deal to strengthen the fourth line. Because, listen, the fourth line is what it is. A good checking line. Gauthier now gets to play full-time. The play is gone. I think that's a good thing because there's a little speed there. You still have Brodzinski if you want to bring him into the fold as well. Have at least some speed on the fourth line. Not a ton of physicality, but still... It's not a big scoring line, but the Rangers do have Kraftsoff if they want to play him on the fourth line or use him a trade chip if they want to try to bolster the offense on that fourth line. But it gives them nine really good forwards to roll with. You already get a ton of production out of your blue line, so Tarasenko is going to fit in very nice. And the other thing about Tarasenko I haven't heard a lot about, he won a cup. And he was big in that run in 2019. The Rangers don't have any cup experience outside of the run they had last year to Game 6 of the conference final. You bring in a guy that's got a ring, played well in that Stanley Cup playoff run in 2019. That is huge for a relatively young and inexperienced team. There's not a ton of playoff experience outside of Kreider. Did play in the Stanley Cup final in 2014. Truba had a run to the conference final last year and with Winnipeg back in 2018. Uh, but really, there's not a lot of cup experience at all on the roster. Now Tarasenko comes in with a ring, and I think that could be pretty big. Uh, the acquisition 
on the blue line of Nico Mikola is good. I mean, he's basically the identical player to Ben Harper. Same size, shoots left, same age, you know, so, and not a ton of offense, but a good, solid uh, blue liner that can plug right in. Uh, we'll see if he plays tonight um, against Seattle, can plug right in there with, with um, Schneider. And what this creates is depth on the blue line. They got into a situation with with um, Libor Hayek. Nice player. Hasn't played since mid-December because Harper came in and has been so good. But Harper over the last couple of games has showed some deficiencies. Mikola is a guy that's got cup experience. You could plug him in to be that pairing with Schneider. And if you decide to not play Harper, Harper's there. Injuries happen to your blue line. We've seen it happen with the Rangers in recent years. Having a solid seven defensemen on your core and if Hayek um, clears waivers, then they can have eight. And you still have Jones on the roster down in Hartford. So they have a stockpile of defensemen in case they have any kind of injuries and a good solid rotation. So I think Chris Drury did a terrific Terrific job with this deal all around. Depth defenseman, a dynamic right winger. Tarasenko's a free agent at the end of the year, so you do risk him leaving. We saw that last year with Vetrano and Kopp, both leaving via free agency, and this may happen with Tarasenko as well. But you do not have the luxury, if you're the New York Rangers, to think that much about the future. Chris Drury believes he's got a team that can compete for a Stanley Cup, and why wouldn't he? Went to Game 6 of the conference final last year. You've got the goaltender. You've got the blue line. You've got a coach that took Vegas to the Stanley Cup Final in 2018. You have some dynamic offensive players. You've got to strike while the iron is hot. I know you're in the same conference as Boston, but we've seen great teams in the regular season not win. You still want to be able to compete with the Devils and the Hurricanes to try to win this division. Get yourself home ice advantage where the Rangers have played much better as of late. All this is right there for you. So the Rangers will now go into the game tonight against Seattle. 66 points. They're 10 back of the Hurricanes. But that can be made up because they could be better after this deal. Carolina's won seven in a row. They're very good. But even if you don't win the division, you know, we saw this last year. Rangers didn't win the division, and he still were able to get past Carolina. This gets you maybe in the conversation with New Jersey, who just lost um, Hughes now week to week because of the upper body injury, although the Devils did win last night. But more than anything else, it allows you to try to stay in that top three, solidify the playoff spot, and have you be competitive for a chance to get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, you know, home run is strong because we don't know how this is all going to work out and how Tarasenko is going to play. But at least on the surface right now, I mean, how can you even doubt how good a deal this was for the uh, New York Rangers. So a good job by them. Uh, let's recap the games from last night. Devils with a 3-1 win over the Kraken. Again, significant because you're playing without Phil Hughes. You feel bad for uh, Phil Hughes. <laughs> Jack Hughes. You feel bad for Hughes because <clears throat> we've talked about it on the podcast before. <clears throat> Devils have never had a 50-goal score. Never had a 100-point score. He's got a chance to do both those things, but he has been injury-prone. And now week-to-week, that's tough. So only it's a handful of games, and he can get back to action. But Devils respond in the first game without their star player, beat a good Kraken team 3-1. to Power play was the key here. Hamilton, who's really played well for New Jersey as of late, scores both power play goals. Devils get a big win. Tough loss for the Islanders. They snap their four-game winning streak. They lose to the Canucks by the final score of 6-5. to five. Maybe Vancouver playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I'll tell you about this Canuck team. I got to call the game 
uh, back on Wednesday, uh, the Ranger-Canuck game. This is not a great team. Rick Tockett's got a lot of work to do as far as the blue line and the goaltending is concerned, but they can score, even losing Horvat. Beauvillier scores his first goal as a Canuck. You still have Brock Besser, who's playing on the third line for them, by the way. Patterson is still a very good player. So they can score, and they scored last night early and often to be able to win that game by the final score of uh, six to five. Sorokin ends up giving up all six goals. Probably worst game for him so far this year. Horvat did score against his old team, but the rain, the uh, Islanders lose at home to the Canucks six to five. Uh, EJ's not concerned about it. We've had this talk a lot. Just the Avalanche just seem like a dud right now. They just do, and they get schooled by the Lightning five to nothing. Uh, maybe you catch a bit of a break because the Lightning have kind of been lost. They get killed by the Panthers the other night, seven to one. Second of back to backs against the Sharks, they lost that game in overtime. So the Lightning, maybe it was just bad timing for the Avalanche. Uh, Vasilevsky played well, making 30 saves. But the Avalanche just you know, getting shut out, even against a good Tampa team in the rematch of the Stanley Cup Final. So there was a lot of things that were working against the Avalanche last night, how the Tampa was playing, rematch of the Stanley Cup Final and all that. Colorado still, you know, 58 points, third place in the Central Division. So they're still in good shape there, 7-2-1 over their last 10. But... They just doesn't. They don't seem to be like the same team that they were last year. And the, and the scary thing is, is that even though in third place in the Central Division, it's no lock of making the playoffs. Nashville's lurking. They've got 54 points with a game in hand on Colorado. So there's no assurances. And right now, Nashville's on the outside looking in for the playoffs. So we'll see if Colorado can right the ship. EJ doesn't seem to be overly concerned about it, but still. Um, Tough situation for the Avalanche last night in Tampa. Flyers surprised the Oilers in the shootout 2-1, to one, so Edmonton does get a point, and that's significant for them as they continue to try to hold on to a top-three spot in the Pacific Division, giving them 63 points. So they had a chance to leapfrog over Seattle, who lost last night for second place. Seattle still has a game in hand. Seattle kind of coming back down to earth, only four wins of their last 10. They've lost the first two games on this local trip. Losing to the Islanders and the Devils, and now they'll be at the Garden tonight trying to see if they can't salvage this East Coast swing. But Edmonton only uh, gets a point. Panthers warming up. They beat the Sharks. Final score, 4-1 to there. So the Panthers still keeping their hopes alive for a postseason spot. 58 points now. Close within a point of the Islanders who lost. They've got a game in hand on the Isles. But more importantly, they're eyeballing that final playoff spot. Pittsburgh's got it. 50 games played, 59 points. So they're a point back of Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's got four games in hand. Washington's got 60. Washington's got a game in hand. So maybe more realistic for the Panthers to look at Washington for the first wild card, only two points back of that. And uh, as far as the Lightning concerned, they're 10 points back of uh, the uh, Lightning for the third spot in the uh, Atlantic Division. So it looks like the Panthers are going to have to settle for the wild card. But with the Islanders losing last night, uh, Buffalo hasn't played in a while. Uh, They'll take on Calgary uh, coming up. So Buffalo's right there, just two points back of the Panthers with four games in hand. So the Panthers kind of like the Los Angeles Kings where they've got the points, but they've played so many games. So there's going to be a lot of idle time where they're going to be watching the teams they're chasing and the teams that are chasing after them going to be able to 
to accumulate points and play, but the Panthers got the win that they needed. Flames tough loss in Detroit to the Red Wings 2-1. to one. Red Wings only had 17 shots on goal in this game, but Huso makes 35 saves um, and that helps the Red Wings win by the final score of 2-1. to one. So Calgary after um, only getting that point against the Rangers the other night, losing in regulation, well, they sit with 58 points, tied with Minnesota for that final wild card. Minnesota does have a game in hand and have the tiebreaker. So Calgary, it just seems like they're in, they're out, so every game is just so meaningful for them. And the Wild just continue to be in free fall. They get crushed by the Golden Knights 5-1, to one, so that's why the Wild have dropped to that final playoff spot. They're still a plus-five goal differential, but three straight losses now for the Wild. Four wins in their last ten. So the Wild kind of just trying to find themselves right now, and they are teetering at the possibility of not making the playoffs when there were a lot of expectations going to the season. Remember, they got off that an awful start early, gave up a ton of goals early, seemed to solidify themselves, but now just can't seem to gain very much traction. As far as the Golden Knights are concerned, taking advantage right now of Seattle's plight, they've retaken first place in the Pacific Division, three-point bulge now on Seattle, although Seattle does have a couple of games in hand, but after a little bit of rough start Vegas now gaining some traction with a couple of wins in a row they've got a game coming up against Anaheim on uh, over the weekend so a chance for Vegas to kind of really get going here let's take a look at the games tonight Rangers in the Kraken over at the Garden so Vladimir Tarasenko makes his debut over at the Garden Leafs back in action they'll be in Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets Blackhawks and Coyotes and then 10 o'clock Penguins and the Ducks so Pittsburgh comes off of their bye jump right out to the west and we'll see what they can do with all these games in hand to try to climb up the postseason standings. Well, it is Friday, and you know what Friday means. Friday means our weekly top five. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. Number five. So we start with number five. Let's climb the Rangers in to the top five, shall we? I mean, they've actually very quietly have played some very good hockey. Seven, two, and one over the last ten. They've won three in a row, playing much better at home. It was a disaster at the Garden, but they've now raised their record to 15-9-4 at the Garden. A chance to add to that tonight against Seattle. Phenomenal record on the road at 14-5-4. You throw Tarasenko into the mix. Kreider's played better. Right now, Philip Heedle has just been on fire. Seven goals in his last five games, so that's made that um, that kid line really start to grow. And I kind of mentioned it in passing, talking about the Tarasenko deal. Rather than breaking up the kid line and putting Heedle on the second line center, I would rather see the kid line become the second rotation and then dropping down Trochenk to the third rotation with Kreider and I guess now VC since the uh, Tarasenko deal. That kind of round out their lines. I think this kid line Lafreniere scored now in back-to-back games. Kako's been very good. So the Rangers really flying right now, and I've got them at number five. Number four. Dallas Stars continue to play well. 5-2-3 and three in their last 10, but they have won a couple of games in a row. And an impressive plus 44 goal differential is second best in the NHL. They've gotten the goaltending. They've played a good, well-rounded hockey. The Dallas Stars, to me, are number four. Number three. New Jersey Devils are in the top three despite the loss of Jack Hughes. 
third best plus uh, goal differential at plus 43. Playing much better at home now, 15, 10, and 8. Seemed like as five minutes ago they had an eight-game losing streak at home, but now I believe they've won four straight on uh, the Prudential Center ice, and they're 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. Goaltending has been very good. Power play has looked very good as of late. Hamilton has really contributed there. Tatar has played well. Heashier is going to have to pick up the slack with huge Hughes out of the lineup. Uh, you got to like the New Jersey Devils right now. They've stayed consistent. They've locked themselves, I think, into a playoff team with 72 points. I've got them at number three. Number two. You could really make the case for Carolina being number one, but you can't do that with Boston lurking around. Seven straight wins. I'm going to chance to see them tomorrow. I'll be calling the Ranger Hurricane game in Carolina coming up Saturday. Looking forward to them. We've talked about them so much. They need a center. Uh, they'll probably make a deal, but they've been able to make it work for them. Ajo's been good. Natchez has been good. Um, I love their blue line. The acquisitions uh, that they made of Burns was tremendous. I've always loved Slavin. Uh, I've got the Carolina Hurricanes at a plus 37 goal differential as well. I believe that's fourth best in the league. I've got them at number two. Number one. And, of course, the Boston Bruins, they're going to be number one with a Bullets, plus 81 goal differential, 7-2-1 over their last 10. All the same reasons that they've been number one all year long is the reason they're going to continue to be number one for the foreseeable future. This team has just got it all and still looking to make deals. A lot of rumors about them still acquiring somebody. It just shows to show you in the NHL that even though you're the best team and even though there's nobody really that can touch you as far as points are concerned, goal differential is concerned, they still only lost one regulation game at home all year long. Uh, Just a terrific team that they still might want to look to make that one more move to just try to get better. So really interesting. The Eastern Conference is where it's at right now. You look at Boston, you look at Carolina, you look at New Jersey, Toronto. Right now, never mind Don LaGreca's top five, the top four teams in the NHL all reside in the Eastern Conference. Then you look at Tampa, you look at the Rangers. Uh, in the top seven, only Dallas. So in the top seven, six of the seven teams are from the Eastern Conference. And then you start seeing the Vegases, the Winnipegs, the Seattles, the Edmontons, teams like that. So there's a distinct drop-off. But think about that. Six of the top seven teams in the NHL reside in the East. Only eight teams are going to go to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. So already six of the best teams in the league reside in the one conference, which tells you how difficult it's going to be to be able to make the playoffs and and how locked in you figure Boston, Carolina, New Jersey – those teams are pretty much locks you would think to be able to make the playoffs so when you're kind of battling for position here Islanders have a shot Panthers have a shot I'll give Buffalo a chance because they've only played 50 games they've got a ton of games in hand that's it you got three teams in the Islanders the Panthers and the Sabres that can still make the playoffs but the expense of who if you're going to lock in Carolina you're going to lock in New Jersey I'm going to lock in the Rangers certainly Boston Toronto and Tampa are locks so you're looking at five Five teams for two spots. Washington, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Sabres. Five teams for two spots. That's going to make for a fun, fun race. Now, the teams may not be as good in the West, but it's really bottled up there. Calgary, Nashville, still with a shot. St. Louis is selling off pieces, so I think they're done. So there's only two teams on the outside looking in that I think can realistically still make it. Calgary and Nashville. But at the expense of who? Minnesota, the Kings, 
Um, they haven't locked anything up. Colorado, the defending up Stanley Cup champions, I don't think they've locked anything up. You can't tell me that Edmonton has either. When you look at locks for the postseason in the West right now, I think Dallas is a lock. And that's pretty much it. They've got 70 points. Otherwise, you're talking about Winnipeg with 65. Um, Vegas has got 66. I think they're pretty much a lock, but you never know when the team on the outside is only eight points back. And you know, Calgary's got 58 points. Vegas with 66, and you, and Calgary's got a game in hand. So say they win that game in hand, then it's only six points. It just tells you. The separation is just so close. One bad week of hockey and one good week of hockey for the other team can just make all the difference in the world. So what I'm telling you is things are pretty much wide open, but there's enough teams at the bottom that have some talent that can make the trade deadline on March 3rd pretty interesting. Chicago's got pieces. Anaheim's got pieces. You, you look at what the the, the uh, Coyotes have, as bad a team as they are. They've got pieces. San Jose's got two big pieces in Carlson and Meyer that they can deal. Vancouver has already made the deal for Horvat. Is there a possibility you'll see Besser get dealt? Very good possibility there. So that's five teams just in the West that can be sellers that can really produce. Um, I don't know what Montreal Columbus really have. I guess Columbus certainly has um, some players. Detroit, you know, Dylan Larkin, is he going to get dealt? Very good possibility there. Possibly some pieces in Philadelphia, although they've really scraped it bare over the last couple of years, but still some pieces there. So what I'm telling you is, as we sit here on February 10th, we've got three weeks before the trade deadline, but there's enough teams that can make it that are going to be buyers, but there's a ton of teams that are sellers that have pieces that can get moved that could make for one of the most fun and enjoyable trade deadlines coming up in just a few weeks. And there's enough difference makers that the right deal could really change the complexion of a team. Right now, Boston clearly is the favorite, and they should be. But God, can you imagine if the Devils land Timo Meyer? How much does that change things? Let's say the Devils were acquired Jonathan Taves. Does that change the way they look? You know, what it would if um, a, a team like Tampa was able to make a move? How could they possibly jump up in the Atlantic Division? So, boy, it's going to be a lot of fun, and the games are going to be wild. I am going to be at the Garden tonight. I'm not calling the game because I've got pulled away to do a remote for the Michael K show. So give Pat O'Keefe a listen. He's going to be making his debut calling play-by-play in the National Hockey League for the Rangers. That game can be heard on 10.50 a.m. tonight. So give a listen to Pat O'Keefe. I'm going to be in the building later because i got to hook up with the Rangers after the game to fly to Carolina to take on the Hurricanes on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the Rangers are going to stay over Sunday in Carolina and fly to Vancouver. And I'm on the call next Wednesday for the Canuck game. So I'm going to be I'm going to be in uh, Calgary for about a half a week, uh, Vancouver, excuse me, for about a half a week. So I will be doing the game misconduct on Monday for my hotel room in Vancouver. And I'll be doing it from over in the arena on Wednesday uh, in Vancouver for the Rangers and the Canucks. And and that's pretty much the last major trip the Rangers have for the rest of the year. The Western Canadian swing that'll take them to Vancouver on Wednesday, Friday, Edmonton, Calgary on Saturday. And then after next week, the Rangers are, with the exception of one trip to St. Louis very late in the season, won't have that much travel at all to really have to worry about so we're really getting deep into it here week two of february getting closer to the trading deadline gonna have a lot of fun we'll try to hook up with ej on monday 
uh, get his thoughts on the trade deadline and everything that happened over the weekend. Want to get in touch with me? At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct's the best way to do that. We'll try to dive into some tweets as well coming up next week. So this was a lot of fun. Enjoy your weekend. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.